The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So I've been asked to participate in this sermon series on the Lord's Prayer and specifically to focus on this one phrase, our daily bread, the request that we give to God. We're at, in the, in the Lord's Prayer in this series, what's called the fourth petition of the prayer, the fourth uh, request. Um, and I haven't listened to, to all of the sermon audio the past few weeks, uh, but I trust that um, we've talked about how the, the Lord's Prayer is, is organized uh, with an address to start and then a number of, of requests uh, asking that God's name be hallowed, that God's kingdom come, that God's will be done on earth as in, has, as in heaven, and now that God would give us our daily bread. On the surface, it's clear that the request, give us our daily bread, points to sustenance, to receiving from God what we need on a daily basis. And really, that could be it. That could be the whole sermon, guys. We recognize each day that the Creator God sustains us. What I'd like to do, though, is... uh, well, the phrase daily bread, though, has what the scholars call a sitz em leben, a very specific setting, a very specific setting in mind. And what we're going to do is, is go back to the start and look at the, the text that Israel or Jesus' original hears would have been drawn to when they hear this phrase, uh, your daily bread. So to do that, we're going to go all the way back to read some scripture around Israel's story in Egypt in Exodus chapter 1. First, I'll drink some water. So Exodus 1 verse 8 says, Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look! He said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for me, for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they'll become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we will join, uh, if war breaks out, uh, they will join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. Okay, so I'll stop there. There's this sort of nation-to-nation relationship, you might call it, uh, with Joseph, the people of Joseph and, and Egypt that falls apart and then turns to control and, uh, and slavery. It says that they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. <coughs> and then, and this was kind of new to me, it says they built, so verse 11, sorry, they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom, and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. So what's going on here? 
There's a little bit of fear. The new king doesn't know Joseph. Two, there's control, slave masters oppressing them. And third, and this was new to me, there's this kind of stockpiling, right? It says, they enslaved Israel and built Python and Ramses as store cities for Egypt. In other words, they weren't, they weren't even oppressing, well, they were, uh, they were building cities simply to store the excess that comes from oppression. So there was slavery hand in hand with this overproduction and overconsumption. And it wasn't enough after a relationship falls apart to fear the people, then oppress the people, and then store extra on the people's backs. It says then in verse 15 that the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives whose names were uh, Shifra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth and on the delivery stool, if you see that the boy is a baby, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. And I'll get back to daily bread, I promise. Uh, but we have this, this pattern of relationship breakdown and slavery and like stockpiling or kind of overconsumption. And then this, I guess you'd call it like an existential dread from Egypt that then gets directed at the children of the very people Israel, or the very people Egypt is depending on. In chapter 2, it says, around verse 23, 24, it says, The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. If you are new to the Christian faith, you can read in the book of Exodus what happens next. All of the miraculous ways that God rescued his people through plagues and through leaving Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea and eventually into the desert where they were forced, where Israel came into a position of complete reliance on God. Finally, there in the desert, and we could read this in Exodus chapter 16, God provides manna. God gives us, or God gives Israel daily bread that fell down from the sky. Exodus 16 says, When the dew was gone, at verse 14 here, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And some of you might know the Hebrew word uh, manna literally means, uh, What is it? Uh, Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the ones who gathered much did not have too much. The ones who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much 
as they needed. So why am I taking us on a little trip through the book of Exodus? The reason is, is that when Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread, this story would be the very first thing that came to mind. And it's worth showing that manna, the daily bread that God gave Egypt in the desert, is anti-Egypt. If Egypt is forced labor, the manna is a free gift. If Egypt is some people having too little and others having too much, then manna is each of us having enough. If Egypt is building million square foot facilities to store more than what people need, manna is getting our daily needs met. Daily bread coming straight from God is a, uh, creates like a habit or a spiritual discipline, a posture towards God and an approach towards creation and other people made in God's image that transforms Israel into, partly into, into God's people that, that reteaches or gives a new worldview um, so that they're free not only in their bodies from Egypt, but also in their minds from the worldview that that they'd had growing up in that place. So Jesus teaches us a petition for our, to ask for our daily bread, to fill our hungry stomachs, but also to recognize and realign our lives with God's daily provision. We looked at this passage briefly at, uh, at New Hope this, this summer. And as I, as I studied it, uh, something that really struck and shocked me, and I actually didn't talk too much about it at New Hope this summer, um, but as I was looking at the, the text, uh, you know, we'd just become, we'd just been made aware of the mass graves in British Columbia that had 215 children's uh, bodies in it. And frankly, I shuddered when I thought about the similarities between the situation Canadians are in and this story in Egypt. See, we too have had a nation-to-nation relationship that devolved into fear. We too have had in our history and still today a fear leading one group of people to control another. In Canada, too, a control went really specifically to stockpiling. As people were moved off of parts of Canada and places like the prairies were transformed into, frankly, some of the largest granaries since the time of Egypt. And just like in Egypt, there was an ugly mix of dread and loathing that led to residential schools, a system that was also created 
to destroy the generation of the people that settlers benefited from. So it's my conviction that historically and presently, Canadian Christians might have played Egypt's role a little bit more readily than Israel's, following this familiar pattern of fear, or benefiting at least from this familiar pattern of fear, control, profiteering, and death. So I ask us, when we ask for our daily bread, I hope and pray that the emphasis would be on our daily bread. Access to sustenance from God for all people. We see this pattern of Egypt in smaller ways too. Of fear, control, hoarding, and dread. I still have not run out of toilet paper since the start of the pandemic. <laughs> um, and we saw the way that, that fear went to hoarding things like toilet paper, to obsession, some might say, an over-obsession in the early days of the pandemic, to controlling where people went and when they could go out of their homes, and then leading to a fear of others, including, including some violence against minorities. And I think if we look more closely, we can see all of the, 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 these Egypt stories where fear leads to scarcity, which leads to control, all around our lives. We see it in our, in our advertising, a buy more, save more, a limited time offer, and only two more remaining. Um, uh, communication of scarcity. We get tricked into believing that there's not quite enough and that we need to store a little bit more, maybe, than we do. But daily bread is good news, my friends. The manna that God provides and teaches us to rely on runs on trust and not fear. Again, manna is in every way anti-Egypt. First, it comes freely from God. Second, everybody has enough. And third, there is daily provision of our, of our needs founded and rooted in our relationship with God. So this week, if you have a full fridge or go to food banks, if you have three figures in your bank account or six or seven, let's rely on our daily bread. Instead of Egypt's way of fear, scarcity, and stockpiling, let's adopt an attitude of trust in God's provision. In uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, it says this about the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. It says, Give us this day our daily bread means. Do take care of our physical needs, 
so that we come to know that you are the only source of everything good and that, and this is really striking, I thought, neither our work and worry nor your gifts can do us any good without your blessing. I'll read that again. Our work, our worry, and even the very good things that God has given us won't do us any good without God's blessing, without our trust in God's provision. And it says, And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and to trust in you alone. I focused mostly on maybe the corporate applications of, of our daily bread. But as an application, I do want to encourage us now, especially if you are struggling with anxiety, especially if you're struggling with fear or worrying that there's not quite enough. Just ask God in this moment. Bring to God what it is that you're worrying about. You can close your eyes if you'd like. Notice if an anxious feeling comes up, you can notice that feeling, but don't let it overwhelm you. And then ask God, what would daily bread mean in this situation? What would it mean for you that your fear that your stress, that your anxiety might be replaced by a trust in God. And I trust that even now the Holy Spirit might speak to us as we consider this. It's important to note, though, that in John chapter 6, right after taking, you know, one kid's snack and using it to feed 5,000 people, Jesus gives this extended dialogue about his ministry and manna. In John chapter 6, he says, second half of the chapter, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He says, your ancestors ate manna and died, but I'm the living bread that comes down, again, referencing manna, that comes down from heaven. He says, don't work for food that spoils. Don't work for that maggot-filled day-old manna, but rather eat this bread. And whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is our, is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Friends, we can trust in God for our daily bread because we can trust in the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection. So I pray that we might go from here confident in the knowledge that God provides for us. May we be free from fear about the future. 
like we sang this morning, that we'd have strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. And that God would show us a way forward to ensure that, uh, that daily bread is, uh, is provided for all. Let's pray. God, we, we lift up our, our own thoughts and, uh, and our own reflections on this passage and, uh, and these words and pray that you would, uh, that you would uh, move uh, that truth into our hearts, changing us, transforming us, building within us patterns of trust and reliance in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.